the hand jobs under the table, right? When no one's looking. I wondered when that would yeah. be. <laughs> yeah, you gotta bring it in every time. I like that consigliore thing. I really do. National Hockey League, as we welcome you to this uh, 445th edition of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Mike Jansen, Chris Fluke with you on a very cold and getting colder Saturday afternoon in southern Alberta. A lot of things to talk about. As promised, I wanted to dedicate a lot of this episode to the National Hockey League. I have not been paying enough respect to the National Hockey League lately. I love the National Hockey League. Uh, I've become a huge fan of the National Hockey League, but there's been so much going on in professional and collegiate sports, uh, especially football, obviously, that we've had a ton of stuff to talk about. So I want to dedicate most of this episode, if not all, to the National Hockey League. And I start with, there are two senior hockey writers at ESPN. And I... Their names are Emily Kaplan and Greg Wyshynski. And I hope I'm pronouncing, Greg, your name correctly. If you're listening, I a, certainly appreciate that you're listening. But if I'm saying it wrong, please, somebody out there in the world of, of podcast, uh, send me a note on one of our nine different social media avenues to let me know the proper pronunciation of Greg Wyshynski. Uh, I say that because it's spelled W-Y-S-H-Y-N-S-K-I. So I'm going with Wyshynski. Anyway, these two made out some, well, they've made out pronostications for all 31 National Hockey League teams from now as we turn the calendar into 2020 from, from now until the end of the season. They made 31 pronostications for all 31 teams. I'm not going through all 31. I've got a number of them here. And then uh, what I'm going to do is read them back to Chris, and I want Chris to uh, agree, disagree, comment, whatever, on what these two senior hockey writers from ESPN are thinking are going to happen to, oh, I don't know, about 10 or 12 different teams uh, the remainder of this 2019-2020 National Hockey League season. At the end of it, each of these writers has made their choice as to who's going to win Lord Stanley's Cup, and uh, I will ask for Chris's opinion on that as well. So let's get started right away. And uh, every year, it seems like, at the trade deadline, which is coming up pretty quick, isn't it? Um, Six weeks, I think. Is it that long? Okay. I, I do know that February 9th, I believe, is the NBA's trade deadline, so somewhere around there. It's usually around March 1st-ish yeah. or so. I wish the NHL would go a little bit longer to let the teams have a little bit more time to get their new acquisitions acclimated to the lineup, but so far, uh, Bettman hasn't listened to Chris or I. Yeah, uh, February 24th is the February NHL. February 24th is the NHL trading deadline, February 9th for the NBA this year. The Boston Bruins, one of these writers made the prediction that the Boston Bruins will make their annual trade deadline deal for a winger. Last couple of years, obviously, Jerome McGinley a couple of years ago. But they believe that the, one of them will believe, believes that the Boston Bruins will make their annual trade deadline deal for a winger, and this year's acquisition is going to be Tyler Toffoli of the LA Kings. What do you think of that one? 
Well, I think they're pulling a name out of their ass, is what I think. But uh, I don't. I, I think that he was really good in their cup run, and I don't see them parting with him too easily here. And it's really, but it's really tough to know what's going on in LA with the brain trust there. And I lose that use that uh, term loosely. <laughs> Messers, uh, Messers, Messers, yeah. uh, Robitaille, and Blake. Yeah. Understood. Um, the second one, they made the. Uh, they made the uh, proclamation that the Calgary Flames will trade Johnny Goudreau after an underappreciate or under. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? After a unsuccessful, after a crappy, underachieving. There you go. The Calgary Flames, after an underachieving season from Johnny Goudreau, will ch- trade the New Jersey uh, native to an Eastern team, and then, and this is where I I, si- I save this one specifically for you. Flames trade Johnny Goudreau to an Eastern team, and they sign Taylor Hall to a seven-year deal in the summer. <laughs> wow, very creative. Uh, I know Taylor Hall is from Calgary, so I appreciate yep. that. Uh, but I, I don't think that the Arizona Coyotes would bother getting him as a rental if they didn't want to sign him long-term as well. And the nice thing is down there, they... Uh, I don't know how much money John Chega is actually allowed to spend, but they're never near the cap. That's for sure. They generally do have a lot of uh, money to play with. They've been a cap floor team for so long. So I think they're going to try to re-sign Taylor Hall. I don't see Taylor Hall coming back here. I don't think he necessarily wants to play for the Flames unless he really just grew up idolizing them and really missing them because he was born here but i think he spent more of his youth in ontario Correct. i believe yeah, right? yeah 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 so i don't think he's gonna do that and have to play the oilers all the time i don't think he really holds a grudge with the Oilers fans as far as i know i don't think he'd want to do that so and also the flames aren't gonna get rid of goudreau they you know they're oh, i think it's time really oh, oh I, I i i think Oh, I agree with you. I think the you, problem but... might be that they might not have any trade partners for Johnny Goudreau right now. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're gonna. it's a classic case of overrating the guys on your team, and the Oilers have certainly been guilty of that before plenty too. But I, I think that he's beloved here for some reason, and I think it'll be tough to get rid of him both for your reason and for my reason. And so I, I just I have a hard time picturing them. I'd love to have that little rent gone. I just don't even like I... having him around. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though it was funny watching him choke in the playoffs or get outplayed in game 82 last year and all that. But uh, I appreciate what they're saying. I can see how they're, how those predictions can make sense, but I don't see any of it actually happening. Okay. Um, we've, for some reason, whether we're taking a shot at ownership of the Buffalo Sabres, but the Buffalo Sabres seem to be in our conscious sometimes. So when this one came up for Buffalo, I thought it'd be perfect for this segment. Um, one of these two individual writers believed that the Buffalo Sabres are going to miss the playoffs and it costs general manager Jason Botterill his job or the team hires a vice president of hockey operations to become Botterill's boss. What do you think? Well, that second one could certainly happen. There's no reason. I don't see them getting rid of Botterill right away. They got off to a really good start and I don't know if the Sabres have been expecting to be that Great. You did hear on Unscripted where Chris predicted before the year that the Sabres would make the playoffs and yep. would do re- really well with Ralph Kruger and all that's happened. But I don't think they were expected to be great after they've been a bottom-of-the-barrel team for so long. So I would I would just say I don't think Botterill's really in too much danger. I think the Sabres will make the playoffs. And, uh, they, yeah, that last one could happen, but that's kind of a bizarre prediction. 
Um, they predict uh, in regard to the New York Islanders. We seem to like the New York Islanders, and I certainly do just because of Barry Trotz. Um, obviously, uh, I don't know many players <laughs> on the Islanders roster anymore since they lost Tavares to Toronto, but uh, one of these writers believes that the New York Islanders will be the biggest players at the trade deadline because they are in desperate need of scoring. Yeah, although, in fairness, they somehow got even better when they got rid of Tavares because Trotz apparently was more of a net benefit than Tavares. But yes, they could use scoring, and I could see the, any of the New York teams absolutely making a splash like that. So that makes sense. That's a safe prediction because they don't get into any real specifics. Right. So, I mean, yes, I, I could absolutely see that one happening if you want to give credit for something that general. Okay, um, this will make our Vancouver Bureau Chief Sean Dode smile, but one of these two writers believes that the Vancouver Canucks will be in the Stanley Cup playoffs for the first time since 20, 2015, and they believe, or some one of the two believe, that they will actually win a playoff series. Your thoughts? Oh, I don't believe that they're going to win a playoff series, even though uh, just this afternoon it is final now. The Canucks did go to Buffalo and beat them 6-3, so pretty good play there. Uh, I, I saw that Sean was on Twitter uh, complaining about the Canucks anyway. He does say that they're very fun to watch now, but boy, I don't know. I mean, they're right in the thick of it, but there's so much, uh, there's so much parody now here that it's unbelievable how close it is. I could see them making the playoffs. They have been surprisingly good. So right now after that win, they're in fifth in the division, but they're two points behind first. Oh my. They're one win behind first place and they're in fifth. Yeah. So that shows you how tight it really is. Mm-hmm. I could absolutely see them making the playoffs, uh, but they could narrowly miss as well. And even if they do make it, I do not see them winning uh, a playoff series. I don't know what about them would be good in the playoffs. To me, I don't know if they'd be that different from... Calgary last year in the playoffs and just completely collapsing there. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't see them winning a playoff series whatsoever. Making the playoffs, eking in to one of the final playoff spots, like a wild card spot, I think is their ceiling. Okay, this is uh, for, and I, I learned this week that my potential future son in law uh, from Kamloops, British Columbia, I call him Floyd, but. Um, his real name is Tyler Cousineau. I call him Floyd because the first time I talked to him, I had my Pink Floyd pants on, and that was, I don't know, I just call him Floyd. <laughs> um, but anyway, he is a huge, and his father, Art, who I hope is is feeling well. Art, uh, my thoughts are with you, my friend. Um, he's a huge Canadians fan. And one of these two writers believed that the Canadians became, become sellers at the trade deadline. They trade Tomas Tatar for a first round pick. Well, yeah, it wasn't that long ago that the Vegas Golden Knights right. acquired him for a first, second and a third. That's right. right? A one and a two and a, yep. Yeah, exactly. So, uh I yeah, uh, if they could trade him for a first, I think they would absolutely do that. I don't you think that's been a great fit. Montreal, man, it seems like any time they figure finally have figured it out, they actually haven't. And uh, I we were talking about this at work the other day and uh, I was talking to a Habs fan and, you know, they say it's, you know, they always want the French aspect and it just really limits their coaching searches, their GM searches. And so I think maybe that's part of why the, uh, you know, Molsons haven't gotten rid of Mark Bergevin yet, besides the, you know, as Sean mentioned, the hand jobs under the table. 
right? When no one's looking. <laughs> I wondered when that would yeah. be. <laughs> yeah, you got to bring it in every time. Anyway, but Mark Bergevin uh, is just going to keep dancing in the press box until some other bilingual person that's even better than him comes along. Yeah, I, you know, and the, the Montreal Canadiens, they're right in the midst right now of an eight-game losing streak. And, um, and just to your point about wanting that French connection, if you will, is that probably one of the reasons... Not only did they bring Claude Julien back, but that's one of the reasons that they haven't fired him this time. Oh, is for it sure. not? Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yes, of for course. Sure. Um, got a couple more here. Oh no, no, we're down to the. Uh, we're down to each writer made a pronostication as to who will win Lord Stanley's Cup. One of them was concentrating on the Eastern Conference. One of them was concentrating on the Western Conference. The Eastern Conference re- representative penned. Toronto could become the third NHL team to win a Stanley Cup after an in-season coaching change. Your thoughts? Yeah, because it just happened this year with St. Louis, of course. So, I mean, I guess it could. There is something about hockey that does... I don't know if it happens as much in other leagues, but it seems like, you know, that you know you get down 3 nothing, you put in your backup goalie, and yeah. then you just get all the momentum. It seems to happen an awful lot, and maybe that's going to be the new things with, with, uh, with coaches, but... I think that uh, I don't think that'll happen. I think that this is recency bias. I think people have just seen it happen uh, with uh, St. Louis. And so humans love to look for patterns and things. And often that is a very good thing. Often there are patterns that help you actually uh, see things in the future. And then everyone else is surprised. And you say, well, no, I saw this coming. But in this case, I think they're trying too hard to look for patterns. And I don't see that happening here. The uh, the other writer that was concentrating on the Western Conference of the National Hockey League uh, shared the opinion, uh, Nashville right now is not in the playoffs. If the playoffs started today, Nashville does not qualify. But we still got a ways to go for sure. But the other uh, author, or the other writer, offered the opinion that Nashville, with new coach John Hines, this writer believes that Nashville wins the Stanley Cup. And this is this is digging really deep with this one. This is called somebody's got way too much time on their hands. The past six coaches that have won the Stanley Cup have been on their second, third, or fourth coaching job. <laughs> Boy, when was that episode we had where I talked about the how patterns uh yeah. you know are yeah. somehow magically discovered by humans all the time? Mm-hmm. Was that episode like three or four of yeah. unscripted? <laughs> or was that two <laughs> seconds ago? That was about two <laughs> seconds ago. Jeez. Uh, this is like those stats you see uh if you're watching sports and it'll say like, oh, um, you know, four of the last five World Series winners have had at exactly six guys with a batting average between 270 and 287. It's like, fuck off. I don't care. It doesn't matter. God. Anyway, so this is that. <laughs> other notes uh, Other notes from the National Hockey League before I get into uh, a bunch of other stuff. I wanted to give, uh, I wanted to give the National Hockey League proper airtime today. Um, it was fun to watch Pekka Rinne, the goalie for the Nashville Predators. He became the 12th goalie in National Hockey League history to score a goal with 22 seconds left Thursday night against the Hawks. No comment needed there. I want your comment on this next one, but I thought it was cool the way that uh, how excited this guy got 
to score a goal. Congratulations to him. Uh, but this is something that I think both of us have been wondering when it would happen. It finally happened on Friday. Too much for old Uncle Eugene Melnick in Ottawa, as the team announced on Friday that they have hired Jim Little as CEO of the team, replacing old Uncle Eugene. I like to call him Uncle Eugene because, oh well. Uncle Eugene has been in the CEO CEO role of his hockey club since he relieved Tom and Selmy of his duties in February of 2018. You know, Uncle Eugene must have the ego the size of, well, Urban Meyer. And uh, Uncle Eugene believed that the team could thrive and survive with him in the CEO role. Well, not really. The team has scored the second fewest points so far this season, which has reflected in the lack of ticket sales. And that played a big role, according to Uncle Eugene, for the team bringing Jim Little on as the new CEO, effective immediately, of the Ottawa Senators. And... um, I'm happy for Ottawa Senators fans. I know a couple of people here in Calgary that are Ottawa Senators fans, and hopefully this guy can do something to not only improve the on-ice product in Canada's capital city, but obviously get some of the fannies back in the stands in that old antiquated barn that they're playing with, playing in in, out in Canada, Ontario. But regardless, it's always better... To be when you live in Canada for all seven of the franchises to at least be competitive and hopefully getting rid of Melnick in the CEO role will help do that for the Ottawa Senators. Your thoughts? I forgot that Melnick was doing that. That's crazy. Holy man. I, like, why? I mean, he likes to spend all his time in Barbados and like, and he's sick and like, yep. like what's he doing? I mean, it's amazing some of these people with their egos, what they do it's it's just unbelievable and uh it, this is way overdue the senators people aren't that hardened because everyone thought they'd be a clear last place right. they're actually right now one point ahead of the devils and 11 points up on the ridiculously bad detroit red wings right so uh because of that people are not as hard on them because everyone just thought they'd be the worst uh this was really long overdue and yeah. Really, I mean, as as our buddy Sean has said, uh, not the one we're interviewing today, but Sean right. in Vancouver, or Vancouver Bureau, Bureau Chief. Chief, yes, uh, he uh, he has often said it's really tough to have a good millionaire owner at this point. You need to have billionaire owners these days. That's all there is to it. Or if you had a consortium with a strong leader, maybe or something. But he's a millionaire owner. He's in over his head. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's got too big an ego. He takes too much on himself. He can't delegate, blah, blah, blah. It's all the same. Shitty arena, blah, blah, blah. And they're just a mess of a franchise. And I, until Melnick is gone, that's great. He delegated something for once. But you obviously know that he's reporting right to him. And I mean, it's just, it's just you know, Melnick's going to think of him like a gopher, basically. And until Melnick's out, this team isn't going to get any better. I know they made the finals years ago. I know that got beaten in five or whatever easily, but that those days are over. That's not happening again. This is an older, sicker Eugene Melnick. He's just, he needs to get the fuck out. No question. And uh, I'm just hoping for the, whatever's left of the fan base in Canada's capital city that uh, hopefully They've got some good news coming because it's been painful, I would think, the last number of years to be a fan of the Ottawa Senators. That's for damn sure. 
A lot of things to talk about in this 445th episode of our little program. Um, I want to start by reminding everybody out there in unscripted land for this unbelievably great note. 37 days until a lot of Major League Baseball pitchers and catchers report to spring training (laughs) in Florida and Arizona. Uh, So just remember that, 37 days. If your team hasn't signed a player that you think they should, you've got 37 days to do it. It's, it's 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 fun that we've now been doing this long enough that we can see annual trends like your reminders about that that's funny 37 days until pitchers and catchers report to spring training camps in florida and arizona boy if that doesn't get you excited i don't know what will but a lot of things happening obviously there's a big college football game on monday night in new orleans the uh, college football playoff championship game between uh uh, number one, LSU, and number three, Clemson. Clemson, the defending national championship champion, excuse me. Home game for the LSU Tigers. As if you, and I did, I went on and found the exact amount of distance between Tiger Stadium in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to the Superdome in New Orleans, Louisiana, and that's separated by only 81 miles. So I guess the home favorite team, obviously, is the LSU Tigers. Betters have been going crazy. Public betting has been overwhelmingly siding with LSU in this game on Monday night. And I tell you, folks, do not ever, 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 ever sell Dabo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers short. This is going to be a hell of a football game. And if you think just because LSU is playing an away game only 81 miles away from home in a place that they've played a lot of games over the last number of years in the Superdome in New Orleans... Don't let yourself be fooled that Clemson's going to come in here with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback and Travis Etty, whatever his name is, at running back. Clemson's going to give him a football game, folks, and it wouldn't surprise me one damn bit if the Clemson Tigers made it back-to-back. I know LSU should be favored. Again, they're only playing 81 miles from home, yada, yada. But I don't know right now, folks, if there is a better team in regard to being prepared and better coached than Dabo Sweeney does at Clemson. I'm just, I'll just throw that out there right now. Do not be surprised if the Clemson Tigers on Monday night come out here and take it to the LSU Tigers. Do not be surprised. For the Battle of the Tigers, I, I want LSU because it's nice to see somebody else win a national championship. I'm fucking sick and tired of Alabama and Clemson, but I'll tell you something, folks, and that's why I want LSU to win this game, but do not, do not... Find yourself sleeping on Clemson because there are not many college football programs in the United States that are better coached than the Clemson Tigers, and all credit there goes to Dabo Sweeney. He does an unbelievable job there in Clemson, South Carolina. What's so, the what's the spread at right now? Um, I forgot it. I don't have it. It's I don't remember. It's I can get it right. I here. know because the uh, I love to fade the public, but boy, it's easy to you know like Joe Burrow and LSU right now, but. I love to fade the public, so if that spread is going up and up and getting out of control, it would be interesting to see here. My phone has uh, just frozen. So uh, five and a half, it Five says. and a hook for LSU. I'm surprised that's not more. I'm, I, I, again, listen, Clemson's a good football team, folks. Clemson won last year. No, but the I'm talking about the hype train, and, and spreads are made to sucker the yeah. public. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. surprised it's not seven or more. I really I, am. Yeah, agreed. agreed. Agreed with that. No question. But I think some of that, some of that is respect for Clemson too, and what 
Dabo Sweeney has been able to accomplish in South Carolina has been unbelievable. Um, I got to switch over to a basketball story. And Chris and I were really kind of hard on this guy at the beginning of the season, Um, especially around the time when Magic Johnson quit on the last day of the regular season. So back in April, Magic Johnson quits on the last day of the regular season because he felt he was getting disrespected and and things were happening behind his back by just by then general manager Rob Polinka. Well, it's amazing what happens when you send your whole roster pretty much to New Orleans for Anthony Davis. You bring in LeBron James, obviously, and then you bring in some complimentary pieces. But the bottom line here, folks, is that people forget a lot of shit when you start the season 31 and 7. Last night, the Lakers won their 31st game last night to beat the Dallas Mavericks without Anthony Davis to improve their overall record to 31-7. and And it's funny because on Friday, the Lakers organization, Jeannie Buss, made the announcement that Polinka has been promoted to vice president of basketball operations and general manager and got a contract extension as well. And the funny thing to me is, as much as I love Magic Johnson, I've met Magic Johnson, I've been on team planes with Magic Johnson. Um, Back in the 80s, Magic was my hero for a lot of reasons, and some of them were even on the basketball court. But we haven't heard Jack you-know-what-all from Magic Johnson or about Magic Johnson when the Lakers have started out 30-7, and now 31-7, and Um, I guess congratulations are, are in order to Rob Polinka. I thought he was a bit of a yes man to magic, but lo and behold, um, this guy took a lot of crap from a lot of people, us included, for the hiring of Frank Vogel as head coach. Um, he also brought in two former NBA head coaches as assistant coaches in regard to Lionel Hollins and Jason Kidd are on his staff. Um, but again, the Lakers have never been in a situation like they were at the beginning of the season, having missed the postseason six years in a row. That's very unlaker-like. You've got a now 35-year-old LeBron James. You wonder when and if the championship window is kind of sealing, if you will, for the Lakers. Um, Last week, They made a contract proposal to Anthony Davis. He declined it because he wants the full boat at the end of the year, and that's only only right. But does Anthony Davis re-sign in Los Angeles? I would hope so after what they gave up for him. Um, But I guess in a really weird way, congratulations are in order to the new vice president of basketball operations and general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers, Rob Palenka. Yeah, they've uh, done uh, even better than I thought they would. And so that's great. Uh, You know, I don't think people feel too sorry for Lakers fans if they are out of the playoffs for a few years in a row. So, you know, but I I know you value the importance of the marquee teams doing well. And I know you're a Lakers fan as well from your time living there and being an unpaid unpaid, intern with the uh, Lakers. So, I mean, hey... uh, yeah, I don't know. You have to imagine that someday Magic's going to come back and own the team or oh, for sure. something. Magic and Kobe are going to come back. Yeah, and, no. 
and Shaq. Those make this huge. Well, <laughs> again, Shaq owns a owns a percent ownership percentage of the Sacramento Kings, so he'd have to get rid of that. Oh, that's first. right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but yeah, no, I mean that's that's neat to see. I just I don't get the feeling that. LeBron has a lot left in the tank after this year. I don't know if I'm wrong about that, but I think also just his other interests. So I think the Lakers should enjoy this sort of temporary renaissance while they can. But because uh, after LeBron's gone, it's going to be back to square zero. Oh, again. for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so. And if they, for some reason, now they're they're telling me, I was talking to a friend of mine in from the Southland this, this last week and Anthony Davis has told anybody that will listen that he plans on re-signing with the Lakers in July. And the only difference is that he can get more money, obviously, if he waits till the end of the year and becomes a full-fledged free agent. Um, Same thing will happen this summer in regard to Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks. But if, for some reason, the Lakers cannot get Anthony Davis's name on a contract in July, well, then I think you trade LeBron. Because if they lose Anthony Davis, LeBron has nobody to really play with in regard to what do you, I mean, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, Rajon Rondo? No. Right now, this is the best two-man band in the NBA, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And if one of them, meaning Anthony Davis, does not resign at the end of the year, I think you trade LeBron James because the Lakers will be back to being sucky Lakers again. Anthony Davis is a difference maker. Also in the NBA, obviously I watch a lot of Milwaukee Bucks basketball. And do, in doing so last night, when they kicked the crap out of the Sacramento Kings, and that's not any big scale or big deal. Sacramento sucks. Um, but I have come to one conclusion. The Bucks right now, with their win last night, sit at 33 and Six. Yeah. 33 and six on the season. 34 and six now with their win last night. But I have come to one conclusion. The way Giannis Antetokounmpo plays basketball, if Giannis doesn't improve his free throw shooting above the current 62% he's shooting right now, teams will play hack of Giannis all night long. Yeah. And the, and the bucks are really going to have a problem come playoff time. Absolutely. Giannis has got to get his free throw percentage up to at least 70%. So at least that, prevents teams or maybe you know lessens the 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 reason of playing hack a Giannis and the games last for four hours and we watch Giannis shoot 62 percent from the free throw line if he can't do better than that then the Bucks are going to have problems the Bucks are going to win the East big deal but when they get into the West against the Lakers against the Clippers against the Nuggets uh against a lot of teams against Philadelphia in the East if they just start doing hack a shack like they used to do to Shaquille O'Neal or hack a Akeem Olajuwon that they used to do to him back in the day or what they still do to Joel Embiid in Philadelphia sometimes, even though Embiid has gotten better from the charity stripe, Giannis has got to improve from the free throw line from his current 62% or the Bucks are going to have a trouble come the playoff season. I truly believe that. I just think that something has to give there. Yeah, I mean, I I can't believe that it's that low for Giannis. I really can't. I mean, but hey, Shaq improved his free throw shooting, and if Shaq can do it, Giannis then, sure then, can then too. Get, I'm I'm actually really shocked that it's that low. That's crazy to me. Um, couple other quick things. Um, here's a question to ponder. 
And I asked as while we're talking in the NBA, I got a couple of NBA notes. I'm kind of amalgamating every things, all of the things that I wanted to talk about so we can get to Freeform Friday. And then we can also get to our uh, consigliere from the world of fantasy football. Um, Sean is coming in here in a couple of minutes. So I want to get all this stuff taken care of before Sean Nichols makes an appearance here on the program. But real quick, here's a question to ponder. And I got this from, and obviously this was a Canadian website. That's why they asked the question, because I know what the answer would be if outside of the city of Philadelphia, I know what the answer to this question would be. And the reason I say outside of the city of Philadelphia is because this individual played college ball at Villanova, and he's also from the city of brotherly love. And I'm talking about Raptors point guard Kyle Lowry. Here's a question. And if anybody would like to chime in, please do so on one of our nine different media, social media avenues to do so. But here's the question for Chris today. And I know what the answer is, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because somebody in Canada asked this question. Is Raptors point guard Kyle Lowry, once he retires, is Kyle Lowry a Hall of Famer? Fuck no. Absolutely not. Moving right along. (laughs) Jesus. Moving right along. Finally an easy one. <laughs> no, that was easy. I mean, I I like his game. There's no question. He's got a championship now. Congratulations to him. But is Kyle Lowry a Hall of Famer? No. No. <laughs> if you include Jeez. Kyle Lowry, yeah, you've got to include a lot of guys that are borderline at the very best. And this guy isn't even borderline. I think they're... I mean, guys... There's got to be something special about any respective Hall of Fame, whether it's the NHL, the NBA, the NFL, whatever. There's got to be something prohibitively different. Otherwise, it's not a Hall of Fame. It's just Joe's Garage and Bar or Bar and Grill. or it's, it's, not, it's not special. Well, we've got such a pussy communist society now. They should just make this gigantic skyscraper and make that the Hall of Fame. And every single player who plays even a game in the NBA gets into the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah. But and then everyone wins. And everyone but wins. then it's the Hall of, you know, Joe. It's the Hall of everyone, yeah. Yeah, it's the Hall of Joe. Yeah. It's not special. No. I don't mean that as disrespect to Kyle Lowry. But come on. It's supposed to be... I, you know... It, it, when I got here, I posed this to Chris, and I said, and all joking aside, Kyle Lowry has now won an NBA championship. A point guard that comes to my mind that's already in the Hall of Fame but never won an NBA championship is one John Stockton. But John Stockton leads the NBA all-time in assists. He's an unbelievable player. He's won Olympic gold. He's played in a couple of... At least one NBA final. I know Jordan beat him one year, uh, but I think they played in a couple. It doesn't matter. He's played in NBA finals, but has not won. Never, never brought the big brass ring home. But John Stockton is one of these guys. It's like Dan Marino in the NFL. Numbers alone, John Stockton needs to be and is rightfully so in the NBA Hall of Fame in Springfield, Massachusetts. Dan Marino, numbers alone, is rightfully in the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. But Kyle Lowry? Hell no. Also from the NBA, just rolling here. Got so much shit to talk about, and I want one more, but I I got two more things to talk about, and then I'll shut up. Coach Cavaliers' new coach, John Beeline. Did you hear about this? I saw something about him. By mistake in a film session with his 11 and 27 team, called his players thugs when regarding to their current status of play, while explains that he meant to say slugs. 
He has apologized. He met individually with all 15 members on his roster. He talked to general manager Kobe Altman. Basically, it saved his job. Kobe Altman was about to fire him, I guess. News out of Cleveland is he was about to fire him. But after meeting individually with all 15 players and then apologizing publicly in the locker room in front of the whole team, training staff, everybody, for his comments, he was trying to say that he meant to say slugs, not thugs. Okay, here's the question. Um, Former Cavaliers... And I can't, well, Shaquille O'Neal said, these guys got to, you know, these guys got to grow up. These guys can't be a bunch of pussies and take this the wrong way. Shaquille O'Neal said, many times I got called things like thugs and a lot worse during his basketball career at LSU. And then with all the myriad of different NFL or NBA teams that he played with. Shaq says the Cavs need to be less sensitive, saying that he was called worse during his playing days. My question, who's right or wrong, and does anybody give a damn? No, no one outside of, you know, cowardly executives who are, you know, whenever they're in charge of any sort of brand or just terrified about doing anything other than pander to the vocal minority of people. Uh, and, you know, people on Twitter, when that, where that's where they live, who uh, came out this week are mostly affluent millennials who are on Twitter. Uh, you know, it's those people might care, but nobody in the real world gives a shit. And especially if it was something actually horrible to say to somebody, uh, that's one thing. But thug? Wow, you can't even call someone a thug now? How is that even that insulting? Like a thug, to me, a thug just means that you're you're tough and rough. That's all that means to me. Like I, it must have some connotation. It's got an inner. It's got an inner city. Yeah, it must have connectivity. Some sort of, right. Uh, there must be some sort of sore spot there with the black community where. It it must they must think it means you're not smart or something or well it means you're a bully it means you beat the shit out of people it means you're a knuckle dragon moron well yeah maybe it just maybe it just means you're gutter trash maybe yeah. that's what the problem is well yeah oh okay you're like, soft well, but yeah like but calling someone a thug means you're not soft well I mean that's what I'm I'm sorry yeah that's yeah. my mistake so it's just it's the opposite though. of soft yeah exactly so the opposite of soft seems like you'd want to be that so yeah it's clearly being overly sensitive uh, but I mean. Any sort of business or brand these days is just you can you can goad them into doing anything just by acting offended. They're just easy to manipulate now. I wonder if John Beeline wishes he was still at Michigan. <laughs> I maybe, bet he does. Maybe he should make a Beeline for Michigan. Ooh, nice. That was, I, that that was, was an easy one. Wow, that was really nice. I, I like that one. Real quick before we got out of here, but I have to get to this. I just I I had to get to this. I really did. And this is we're talking about thugs. We're talking about limp dicks. We're talking about a lot of things in sports today. But I got to tell you, it was unbelievable to me to hear that 40-year-old Philadelphia Eagles backup quarterback Josh McCown played the second half of last weekend's wildcard game between the Eagles and the Seahawks with a torn hamstring that had com- the muscle had completely torn off the bone. And he played the second half with this and put up respectable numbers. I am just, I have so much respect for this guy. Here he is. Uh, it was his first playoff game in his 16-year career. He gets in after the questionable hit by Jadavian Clowney, three snaps into the game or whatever it was, seven snaps, whatever it was. Um, he gets into his first playoff game after 16 years in National Football League. He's 40 years old. 
They, he tears the hamstring completely off the bone, and yet this guy goes out there and plays the second half. And, you know, we got guys in this day and age that don't play because of they got a sore back or they've got a broken fingernail. Or load management. Or load management. And here's a guy that's 40, wasn't even on, you know, the believed roster at the beginning of the year. They brought him on after the... He was retired. Right, right. And here's a guy that is playing with a, a hamstring that is torn completely off the bone in his leg. And this guy is still going out and competing at the National Football League level. I have an unbelievable amount of respect for that, that man. And he's not even that young. He's 40 years old. He's your age, for Christ's sake. And you're in better shape than this guy. And, and I, gotta, I just got to say, I have unbelievable amount of respect for Josh McCown. Whatever he does... After his football career, he's going to be successful. But in this day and age, for all the reasons that we just mentioned, here's a guy that actually goes out and plays with a hamstring that has torn completely off the bone in his leg. And I get, I just have mad respect for that. Yeah, I've always liked Josh McCown. I'm not surprised he did this and that he's tough. And, uh, you know, there's, there's still lots of tough players these days, uh, hockey players, Still really gutted out. Some football players, there's a real divide there. Uh, generally, soccer and basketball seem to be fairly weak. Uh, baseball, I'm not sure because they don't have enough body contact or anything to that, I'm, that I really see what they're playing through or not. Uh, but in fairness to them, they do play a massively long season and a ton of games. But uh, no, I mean, football players should really be tough. And I'm not surprised he did this. I mean, he came out of retirement to... Uh, obviously, he must have had this as one of his goals, I think, to play. To, you don't play for 16 years, right. no playoff games, right. playing for a third of the teams in the league, and then, you know, and not have that in your mind. So I'm glad he got to play any game. I wish it would have gone better. He tried really hard. He left it all in the field, and he was, you know, you know he was crying after because he really was upset that he couldn't help them win. And uh, maybe some of it was due to the pain he was in, too. But uh, I felt really bad that he didn't do it. Plus, nobody likes the stupid Seahawks. Uh, so yeah, I feel bad for him. But yeah, all the respect in the world to him. I've always liked Josh McCown. He's always been a total pro and a likable guy and good for him. What would the Eagles have done this week if, and it's a big if, I know, just, you know, spitballing here, but just think, if the Eagles somehow, with Josh McCown playing on one leg, literally, somehow get by the Seahawks and they're in Green Bay this weekend, and Wentz doesn't clear concussion protocol. He probably would have, but let's just say he doesn't. Wentz, or excuse me, uh, McCowan's on one leg. What do the Eagles do? Uh, Doug Peterson come out of retirement and play quarterback? I don't know. Their emergency third quarterback, last I checked, was Greg Ward, that receiver who came oh, out really? late in the year. Yeah, like you think he was a quarterback in college. So I don't know. But yeah, they plus all their injuries, they would have been in a lot of trouble. I mean, don't get me wrong, they're... They're, uh, they're better off when Aguilar's uh, hurt than when he's actually playing. Uh, ball drop expert, if we remember from last week. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he just... Uh, but, I mean, the, the Eagles are so banged up. They really need to get healthy this offseason. And uh, it, it almost was like putting old Yeller out of their misery last yeah. week, you know. So, uh, yeah, they would have been in trouble. So, hopefully the Packers can just get rid of the Seahawks and Butchin can lose and we can all relax and enjoy the playoffs. We've got a run on this 445th episode of Unscripted. As always, we thank you for being a part of the show and hope that you continue to do so. Easy for me to say. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.